0: This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is once again brought to you by the fine folks at Thrive Fantasy Sports. Thrive wants to let you know they are improving their first-time deposit offer, moving it from $20 to $50. New users that make the first deposit will receive an instant match up to $50. As a first-time user, though, you still must deposit the $20 minimum for you to get credit, but great opportunity for you all you have to do to cash in on this pretty much free money is go to thrive fantasy sports the app the website download it sign up and at the time that it asks you use my promo code SAC, all capitals s-a-c-k deposit at least twenty dollars and thrive will match your deposit with that Thrive has some great opportunities with the NFL. They've got touchdown only prop contests. They've got head to head prop contests between top players. They make it extremely easy, extremely accessible for the user. I have absolutely loved my time on Thrive Fantasy so far, only through four weeks, three weeks of the NFL season. They also have NBA props for the finals. They're going to have MLB playoff props as well. Uh, Any sport you could. To think of, they have it. So sign up, use my code SAC, all capitals, S-A-C-K, sign up, prop up today. Now hit that ish. Sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. I just want to first apologize for the break last week with no episode. There were some technical difficulties that were out of my control that limited me to not being able to get the episode out to you all, so I apologize About that, but we come back this week with episode 74 with a jam packed schedule. We have NFL recap and look ahead. We have the first week of SEC football really jump starting and kick starting college football. We have some NBA finals talk as well. And to put a nice little cherry on top of this episode, we have everyone's favorite segment the mail sack. So just sit tight, relax, uh, take your mind off all the craziness that is going on in the world today and just let's talk about some balls here on Carson's Sack. Without further ado, let's get into the mail sack. Our first question comes from Mike Bennett who asks, is Mikhail Cunningham still a top five Heisman candidate even after two straight losses? I'm beginning to realize that no one else besides this radio station based out of Louisville, Kentucky, was hyping up uh, Mikhail, Michael, I don't even know, how do you say his name anymore, he changes it so much, but Cunningham as a Heisman candidate. After the two losses and his abysmal performances, in those two losses, I am very confident in saying Cunningham is no longer anywhere near a Heisman discussion, so... That makes me pretty happy. I wish him nothing but the best, though. Apparently, he is supposed to be playing this week after a pretty scary injury at the end of the Pittsburgh game last week. So happy for him in that recovery, and hopefully the Cards can turn it around a little bit. Next question comes from Ryan Moore, who asks, "Why is my fantasy team so ass?" It's really not that bad. I looked at it. You've been putting up some decent numbers. Unfortunately, you play me this week. I'm the only. I know people don't like when you sit and you talk about your own fantasy team, so I apologize. But, I'm um, 3-0. I'm the only undefeated team left in this league. But, Ryan, looking at your team, I mean, Deshaun Watson, good. Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, very good running back. Chris Carson, very good. Stephon Diggs, I mean, he's been a delight to watch in the in the uh, Buffalo offense. Um, yeah. You have Tyler Higbee, who has been a pleasant surprise. Not really a surprise, but he's really grown into his own this year. Um Lazard, the new and improved um, weapon that the Packers have. I mean, you have a good team. Um, Hopefully you don't turn it around this week. I would like to win, but um, I think better days are ahead for you. Michael Bennett follows up with, What's your favorite city I've ever visited and why? My favorite city? Jeez. It's hard to go against Seaside down in Florida just because of... It being such a staple of my youth, my developmental years in high school. Um, PCB as well for senior year spring break. That I think I'm still feeling lasting effects on myself and my personality from that trip. Um, you can take a person out of PCB, but you can't take the PCB out of the person is what I've heard as well. Um, also, I'm a big fan of Newport Beach the little city town that I visited a couple Fourth of July's ago that's always fun I am a big fan of Sedona Arizona as well just the cityscape and the mountains as well but I think all out of every city I think it's got to be Chattanooga where I took a golf trip last year and just it's it's a two-night town I will tell you that, but the hominess, where it's not everybody-knows-everybody town, but it's not big either, great selections of bars and restaurants and things to do around a plethora of golf courses, a central hub for the southeastern part of Tennessee, big fan of Chattanooga. So I think it's Chattanooga, Seaside, Newport Beach, and Sedona. Those would be my answers for you, Michael. Next, we have a question from Ty Spaing who asks, who would you want to have to be to build a franchise around right now Lamar or Russ Russell Wilson obviously I think is the more complete overall player he has obviously been in bigger moments um, throughout his career, already winning a Super Bowl uh, being in two of them he is however though thirty one You see a sort of drop-off for quarterbacks in about five or six more years for uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. The style of play that he's played so far, I think, has also limited his hits that he does take. You saw sort of at the start of his career where he was running it a little bit more and was susceptible to big hits like Lamar Jackson is now, but... Pete Carroll focusing on forcing the run game and establishing that the last couple years has taken away Russell Wilson getting hit massively. So far this year, we've seen that when they sort of open up the playbook and let Russ cook, as everyone is saying, uh, how just dangerous and effective he really can be in the big numbers he can put up with Lamar. Obviously, last year, coming off the MVP season, how he still, and I understand he's had some struggles, if you want to even call it that. Um, The first week against the Brown, he put on a great performance. The week before, um, week two, he had a great game, but the game just didn't dictate for him to go out and really... um, throw the ball all over the place, and then struggled a little bit, yes, with the chief defense only putting up 97 or 98 yards on a touchdown, but was still effective and impacted the game on the ground with his legs. Ultimately, I do think you, at some point, you have to look at what you're going to do now. And the question was, who would I build a franchise around um, today? So, right now, I would still say Russell Wilson because he still is 31. We've seen that he's looking better and better so far this year than he has in any other of his years. There's still question marks around Lamar Jackson about can he win the big one, all of this. I'm still going to get, I think, five years out of Russell Wilson, four or five Um I can win a championship with him in those four or five years and I can build to the future. I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson, you can't build around and he can't win championships. It's just right now so far in their careers and going forward, I'd rather have Russell Wilson compared to Lamar Jackson seeing that Lamar still hasn't won the big one. Russell Wilson has and he's looking better than he ever has before in his 31st year than what Lamar is and still very young in his career. Then Ty follows up that with early Masters talk. Does Tiger contend at Augusta? I feel like Tiger is super solely focused on Augusta. I think with the really wonky, crazier that 2020 was with golf, um, him really not playing that many events, playing the PGA and playing the U.S. Open and then nothing really else, I think him playing the Zozo and ramping up, I think he knows and is going to have a ton of confidence knowing that, hey, I did it last year. I can do it again down at Augusta, but I don't think he contends. I think you might see him on the second or third page of the leaderboard, maybe a top 25, but overall I just think it's going to be too deep of a field. I think too many other players are going to go low, and Tiger Woods does not contend. I mean, if you don't want top 25, I still think you're in contention. If he's within... Five or six shots on Saturday, going into Saturday, that's contending to me, and I think he has that definite possibility. And we saw last year he can put up good numbers on the weekend there if he is behind a little bit and come from behind, which notoriously he hasn't really had to do. But overall, no, I don't think he contends this year at the Masters, but I don't think he goes out and has a terrible performance whatsoever. The next question comes from Ben Logston. This was a question from last week, but rolling over because I like it. He asked thoughts on rating 1 to 10 of swimming across the Ohio River with a life jacket on as a fantasy punchman. Loser can do it anytime before next year's draft. All right, I absolutely love it. I ran into Ben Sunday and he mentioned that he brought up a good point. There's barges in the Ohio River that if you're coming. If they're coming down the Ohio River and you're swimming, they're obviously not going to see you and they're just going to run right the fuck over you and that's a death, so we can't do that. I believe the punishment now for them has turned into just jumping into the Ohio River. I mean, it's gross. The Ohio River is dirty. I would like maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe they have to like stay in the Ohio River for an hour or something. I don't know. and Especially the current with that, I don't know how the fuck that's going to work either, but I understand why you'd it's a liability. You can't risk a death, but I love the idea of the swimming um, to Indiana and back. The next question comes from Lowell Brown who asks, what do I think of the Brony debacle? If this is, again, a question from last week, and I told him I would still answer it on this week, and with LeBron and the Lakers still being in the finals, it is still relevant. Uh, LeBron James Jr., Bronny Jr., Bronny, he was caught on his story appearing to smoke marijuana um, it has been said in the past admitted by LeBron that he did smoke marijuana in high school I don't know if he's an active user of it now or whatnot listen obviously when you are LeBron James son and when you are billed as Brian Jr. this next coming he's I think the 40th best player ranked compositely wise um, in his class right now, a four-star, thought to be a very good basketball player, and really a face of this next generation of wave of stars and everything. I understand why everything is magnified and under this scope, but we also have to remember he's a 15 and 16-year-old kid in high school. He's going to experiment with these things. He's probably going to underage drink as well. Um... If it's that right or wrong, I can let you be the judge of that. I have no problem with it. Um, He tried it. It's obviously LeBron's um, decision for how he's going to handle it. It is not my place at all, but I I have no issue with it. So it's not really a debacle to me, but if the media and everybody else, the LeBron haters, want to make a big deal out of it, then so be it. The next question comes from a first-time questioner who asks, "Emily Casey says, what is my favorite fall activity? I love going to Huber's. I love wearing flannels. I love football. And I love watching the leaves change color. We now continue on with a question from Zach Berger, who asks, What is the greatest sports moment you have ever witnessed live, either on TV or actually being present at the event? For me, it really comes down to about three things. Aaron Craft hitting the game-winning three-pointer against Iowa State uh, in the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament a couple years ago. Braxton Miller as a freshman going up against Wisconsin in... Just a awful season for Ohio State, but connecting on a last minute Hail Mary was their life for that. And then WrestleMania 17 as a four year old in Houston, Texas, where I used to live. In retrospect, understanding and hearing about and just seeing the magnitude that was WrestleMania 17. That's the answer, That's my answer. But in the moment, I would probably say the Aaron Craft. Buzzer beater was like the most I was excited about in the time, but the more I sit back and I think about how fortunate and lucky I was to be at WrestleMania 17, um, that's the definitive answer for me. Then we continue on this mail sack with a question, excuse me, from Bailey Lehman who asked, pink or yellow, I'm going to go with yellow. We next have a question from Devin Hayes who asked, how do I feel about Florida after week one? Florida was able to handle Ole Miss pretty comfortably. Um, The score really indicates not really how close the game actually was, 51-35. to You look at it, Trask had 416 yards and six touchdowns. I think that says a lot about Ole defense more than Trask, but if he can continue to play that way and Florida's defense um, is still what Florida's defense has been in the past, a very solid unit that limits um, points and come up with big turnovers when they need them. And then you look at Pitts for Florida as well, eight receptions, 170 yards, four touchdowns. Um, If Trask and Pitts can continue that and just Hook up for one of those a game, the deep ball that he was connecting on continuously. Um, yeah, this Florida team has a chance to do a lot this year, uh, not only in the SEC East, but the entire SEC. That's going to wrap it up for the mail sack this week. As always, You all, the listeners, my friends, make that segment possible. So thank you very much for sending in your questions on Instagram and Snapchat. It means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Keep your eyes peeled Monday and Tuesday of next week for the stories to send in your questions for next week's episode. We can now switch focuses a little bit and talk about college football. Week 5, if you want to call it that, of this college football season – we're going to kick things off on Friday, October 2nd, with Louisiana Tech at BYU. BYU has looked very impressive so far in their first couple games. Wilson, the quarterback for BYU, already accounting for 624 yards and four touchdowns. Um, BYU's defense has been pretty solid as well. I know they gave up a few points last week as well in a bit of a shootout game, but BYU played Extremely well, their first week, a little bit of regression this week. Louisiana Tech sitting at two and zero on the year. Um, their running back Henderson. I'm. I know his numbers aren't gaudy, only 146 yards, one touchdown, but I am impressed with how he runs the ball. And then Anthony, their quarterback as well, already has eight touchdowns to only one interception, so he can get the ball out. I think this game's going to be an exciting watch for Friday. I understand BYU is a big favorite, but I think Louisiana Tech keeps it closer than what people are expecting. So just something to wet your palate, get you ready for uh, the weekend ahead. We can now look at some SEC games coming up. Uh, for this week in college football let's get right into it we have Ole Miss and Kentucky Kentucky coming off the loss to Auburn last week in a game that some people are going to say Auburn won Kentucky lost 29 to 13 honestly Kentucky I think after the Rodriguez touchdown at the end of the first half got taken off the board I think they pretty much were out of it um Terry Wilson having to throw the ball 37 times. Kentucky's not going to win games that way. Um, Only completing 24 of those passes for 239 yards and a touchdown. Did throw the one interception. The bright spot for Kentucky was Smoke, the running back, Cavassier. 62 yards on a touchdown. I think he looked the best out of all three backs. He was showing a lot of pop and got the scoring starter for Kentucky with a big run in the red zone. Um, On the opposite side, for Auburn, you had Bo Nix going for three touchdowns. What is extremely concerning, obviously, for Kentucky is this vaunted defense, and especially the secondary. They had a lot of guys coming back. They were bringing in boss man fat Kelvin Joseph, who – the one play that everybody likes to blow up is when he got beat down in the red zone for the touchdown that really put the nail in the coffin for UK. Obviously, yes, that looks bad the more you watch it and everything. It looks bad the first time you see it. It wasn't a 50-50 ball. Like, either, what I'm trying to say is, yes, he got beat on that play. He very easily could have made the play as well. So technically, yes, 50-50 ball, but... Some things aren't going to break your way sometimes, and in the grand scheme of things, that just has become the piece of film that people like to point out of, hey, this secondary isn't as good as everybody thought. I think UK is going to have another big test this week. Mississippi can score. Lane Kiffin is a great offensive-minded coach. Um, Kentucky's a six-and-a-half point favorite. If Kentucky isn't forced to make Terry Wilson win the game for them, which I'm hoping that The defense we saw last week for Ole Miss still remains a problem. I hope that same defense shows up. Um, It runs into some issues, and Kentucky can just have Terry Wilson be a complimentary piece for the run game, get him more involved in the run game, not have him throw the ball so much. Um, Kentucky's defense, along with their secondary play, just anywhere Any amount better than what they did last week. I think it gives them a good chance. So I'm going to take Kentucky in this one, but probably a closer game than what the spread is. Maybe a last second field goal or a game winning drive late in the fourth quarter, which Stoops likes to do. I think he's that type of coach and likes ball games like that. So I think that Kentucky ultimately does end up winning that one. we have a South Carolina-Florida matchup. Florida moving all the way up to third in the country. South Carolina looked abysmal last week. Florida looked like world beaters um, aside from giving up 35 points to Ole Miss. But I am going to take Florida in this one um, quite easily. Now we shift to ACC football. We have North Carolina State going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh 24th in the country coming off their win against L. Um, pick it for Pittsburgh, their quarterback, 712 yards and six touchdowns through, excuse me, five touchdowns through the air so far. Their running back, really the strength of this team, 156 yards and two touchdowns for Davis on the ground for Pittsburgh. And then their defense showed up as well. I'm going to take Pittsburgh over North Carolina State. Another SEC matchup, a big one. You have 13th ranked Texas A&M going to number two Alabama, um, Jones for Alabama looked like a great game manager, two touchdowns, 249 yards, he really wasn't asked to do a lot. Um, Waddell for Alabama, who I think is the best receiver in all of college football, eight receptions, 134 yards, and two touchdowns, and then uh, Najee Harris for the Tide, 17 carries, only 98 yards, but did get three touchdowns. I understand it was just Missouri, but Alabama continues to Alabama. You lose Tua, you lose Jerry Judy, you lose some guys to the draft um, on the offensive line and the defense side of the ball, but all Alabama does is reload, and they continue to be good. They continue to be the talk of the SEC. Um, to me, Texas A&M, I try and get behind Kellen Mond so much. I really do, but a abysmal performance last week, 189 yards and one touchdown. If Fisher's going to run that same stuff he did where I'm um, going back to last year when Texas A&M had an early season game against Clemson and tried to dink and dunk and get guys out into space and really out-athlete Clemson, if they continue to do that game plan from that game to this one, which they tried to do last week and it worked because they were playing a lesser opponent, but they still at times struggled against Vanderbilt, I, uh, I'm out on this game. I think it's going to be a bloodbath, so I'm going to go with Alabama. A sneaky good game in the ACC. You have North Carolina, the 12th ranked team in the country, going to Boston College. Um, Boston College, a re-energized spirit for them with the addition of Halfley, their new head coach, coming over from Ohio State. North Carolina has looked pretty good so far on the year. Um, But, like I said, a re-energized spirit for Boston College. I think it's going to ultimately keep the game closer. Probably They'll probably cover that 14-point spread, but ultimately I do have North Carolina pulling off the victory. And then the Saturday night game, the big game, Auburn 7th in the country coming off that win against UK, going to Georgia, 4th ranked in the country. Georgia struggling on offense with Arkansas for a half. Um, quarterback play was a question. They couldn't really figure out... Um, who they wanted they were switching back and forth apparently JT Daniels is going to be cleared medically and I think he's going to get the start um Bennett though when he did come in 211 yards and two touchdowns so I think Kirby's going to have a quick hook with JT Daniels if um Bennett is struggling and I think vice versa if the Bennett gets the start I think Kirby's going to have a quick hook with them as well Georgia's defense I still think is extremely good um did struggle with Arkansas a little bit, only let them score ten points overall in the game. And I'm not saying Arkansas's defense, offense, excuse me, is anything to ride home about, but they do have playmakers on there that guys that can get out in space and do some things and are athletic and whatnot. So Georgia's defense still is very good to me. Ultimately, I just see the. Uh, Man, this is tough. I do see Auburn going down there with Bo Nix, continuing to hopefully get better. But I am going to take Georgia. I think White on the ground for Georgia. 71 yards in the opener, a touchdown, um, will be good. The more I talk about it, the more I'm talking myself into Auburn. So I switch. I go to Auburn. I think Auburn goes down there and hard-fought game, close game, but ultimately Auburn does come out on top against Georgia. To round out the college football talk on this week's episode, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the performance by the Mississippi State Bulldogs going up against LSU last week. KJ Costello, the transfer from Sanford. Mike Leach coming in, bringing in his style of offense to the SEC. Would it work out? And boy, did it ever pay off for the Bulldogs. 44-34 win. Costello goes for 623 yards. I'll say that again. 623 yards, five touchdowns. The running back only got seven carries for 34 yards. That was their leading rusher. So I think they're going to have to find some parity for this offense. You look back at Washington State's teams for Leach. No, the focus was not on the ground game, but they did have – a run game that was able to help just the offense not become so one-dimensional. But the big question is, is this offense going to continue to work for Mississippi State? Well, you look at it, they go up against Arkansas next week, the third. Then they have Kentucky, then Texas A&M, then Alabama. So Arkansas, pretty easy. Kentucky, still question marks on their secondary. A tougher, tough, tougher test. Excuse me, against Texas A&M, and then they go to Alabama, where I think that's going to be their biggest hurdle for the season in the secondary. If Costello can go out and have success against Alabama, I don't know if they necessarily need to win the game, but if he can go out and put up 300 yards and make a, a competitive game, then yeah, Leach's system is going to work in the SEC for a extended period of time because. Alabama is still the benchmark there in the SEC, so yeah, hats off to what Leach and Costello and the rest, rest of Mississippi State, what they were able to do in week one, pulling off the upset of LSU, the defending national champions. We now look at the NFL slate for week four. We start on Thursday night, the Broncos going to the Jets, both Winless teams, the Jets a dumpster fire, the Broncos on their third starting quarterback so far. I just, listen, I thought we reached the low point of the scheduling for Thursday Night Football last week between the Jaguars and the Dolphins. There's some storylines there with Minshew Mania, Fitzmagic with Fitzpatrick, but this, I think, could be the just absolute drizzling shits of, I mean, it's still football, It's still better than a lot of things that I'd rather be doing on a Thursday night with no football, but God bless. Um, I could not care less about this. I'm going to go with the Broncos over the Jets in this one. Now we get into it with the Browns and the Cowboys. The Browns, over five hundred for the first time since 2014, coming off their victory against the Washington football team. And then the Cowboys sitting at 1-2 and two after their high-scoring uh, fair against the Seahawks last week. This one is all going to come down to how well, the Browns defense is able to get off the field on third down, limit what Dak Prescott is going to be able to do through the air, and trying to slow down Ezekiel Elliott. I think they'll do an okay job with that, but I still think that secondary, they're still getting pieces back. Last week they got Greedy Williams back and Joseph back um, to compliment Ward there in the secondary, but I'm still seeing some question marks. If the Browns defensive line with Garrett, who has so far been able to get after quarterbacks, can put some pressure on Prescott, then and I think there is some opportunity there for the Browns' defense to step up and make some big plays and get off the field on third down. But ultimately, I just think that the <clears throat> excuse me the Cowboys are going to win this game, especially say they jump out to a quick lead and the play calling is sort of the game script is thrown out the window and you're going to have to ask uh, Baker to go out and throw the ball all over the field and bring this team back. He does well and he does his best when he follows the game script, he's play-actioning, all of these things when the ground game is working, which I think could work for them because the defensive line for the Cowboys is susceptible. You saw that last week a little bit with the running game for uh, Seattle, and in previous weeks it is susceptible. It's gettable, but I just think that the offense is going to the for the Cowboys is going to do more than their part. Get out to a big lead, get the Browns off script, and ultimately the Cowboys win that one. Uh, the next game, the Steelers and the Titans, apparently, because of COVID and whatnot, it is going to be postponed to either Monday or Tuesday. Um, either way, I still think. The Steelers are going to win this game. I think they are going to be good enough to stop uh, Derrick Henry, not stop, but again, slow down, and then asking Ryan Tannehill to throw on their secondary with Fitzpatrick and Hayden. I understand Hayden in the twilight of his career, but I still think they're going to be able to go to him into making some throws, and especially if A.J. Brown isn't out there and they have to rely on Davis and Humphreys. Um, I like what they are going, the Steelers' defense will probably be able to do, and so ultimately, I do take the Steelers over the Titans. Next, we have the Colts and the Bears. The Bears bringing in Nick Foles last week after Mitchell Trubisky was abysmal through three quarters or four, the majority of four quarters for the Bears. And the Colts coming off a win last week, sitting at two and one. Ultimately, Indy is a two and a half point favorite. I am going, to, let's see. Alright, this is a sack pick. I'm doing it. I'm taking the Colts. Two and a half... Phillip Rivers hasn't looked as terrible as I thought he was going to. The run game with Johnson Taylor has looked good. The defense for the Colts has been exemplary as well. Um, I think they're going to be able to pressure Nick Foles and make him force some bad passes. He looked good against a lesser defense in the Falcons last week. But obviously, as I said, the Colts defense is better. So I'm going to take the Colts over the Bears. And this this is the first of three sack picks. Colts to cover the two and a half. Next, we have the Jaguars going to the Bengals. Jaguars 1 and 2. The Bengals coming off their exciting tie against the Eagles sitting at 0 2 and 1. It just it's slowly coming along for Joey B. He loses his first two. He ties. Obviously, the win is coming sooner or later. Is this the week they get it done? It is. I'm going to go with the Bengals and this one over the Jaguars. Um just because I think the Jaguars aren't that great of a team, and I think the Bengals' offense is going to be able to do enough. Get Mixon involved, Joey B flinging the ball all over the field to get the victory. The next game, you have the Saints going to the Lions. The Saints seeding at 1-2, and two, you hardly ever see them under five hundred. and then the Lions coming off their first victory um, last week beating the Cardinals. I am going to take New Orleans, and this is a sack pick as well, New Orleans to cover the four-point spread. I think they're going to look to prove something. Michael Thomas could be back. Um, He was at practice today. I think Drew Brees really wants to silence some doubters. Sean Payton is probably hearing the doubters as well. Um, I think they're going to be able, with Mike Thomas returning, Alvin Kamara has looked Incredible so far through the first three games. The defense for the Saints was questionable last week on Sunday night against the Packers, so I think they're going to look to have a big rebound game. A very big letdown spot for the Lions as well after their big win against the Cardinals. So I'm going to take the Saints to cover in a sack pick, the four points. Next, you have the Seahawks and the Dolphins. The Seahawks coming off their big win and the Dolphins um, coming off their Thursday night loss. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. Without Chris Carson, expect Russell Wilson to have a bigger game. Look to him, the Seahawks, to look to him to really go out and throw the ball around, get this big lead, and then milk it away with Hyde and Homer um, on the ground. I just don't foresee the Dolphins doing anything remotely to make this a game. Then the next game, we have the Chargers going to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are going to be without Godwin for this game. Apparently a concussion or some issue with him. It's been hard for the Buccaneers to stay at full health um, all season for the duration of all their games. I do still think, though, that the Buccaneers are going to win. I think their defense is going to get after Herbert if he still is the starter for them. Herbert looked a little bit more like a rookie last week once the team had a full week to prepare for him, get some film on him. Um, I think that's going to be the case again. And I think Tom Brady is going to continue to just grow with this offense, feel more comfortable in it. They got Gronk involved a little bit more. The running game situation with Jones and Fournette has looked good. Mike Evans has looked good as well. Other players in the receiving game have stepped up for the Buccaneers in the absence of Godwin as well. So I am all in on the Buccaneers on this one. The next game we have the Ravens going up against Washington. This I do not like doing Big numbers, so I'm not going to. But I do think the Ravens come out after that embarrassing performance on Monday night against the Chiefs, where they were just handed their asses on live television by the Chiefs. Um, I think the Ravens do come out and look to make a statement win. I think Lamar has probably his best game of the year in this one. Um, the The Washington, I almost said the R word. Excuse me. The Washington football team gonna be without Chase Young in this one with a groin injury. Dwayne Haskins looked terrible as much as it pains me to say last week against the Browns defense I think he's only going to look worse this week against the Ravens better defense looking for something to prove so I have the Ravens the next game you have the Cardinals and the Panthers Cardinals are three and a half point favorites both these teams coming off losses I believe let me look at the Panthers what they did last week the Panthers nope excuse me they beat the Chargers uh The first game without Christian McCaffrey, Davis was able to do all right. They were throwing Curtis Samuel in the backfield as well. A Louisville product, Reggie Bonifon, who's been with them for a while, also got some carries. Um... I am going to take the Cardinals in this one, and I'm going to take the three and a half. I think it's a rebound game for Kyler Murray. I think Cliff and the rest of that offense is going to want to put up a lot of points, and I understand Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a go. go let-me-go-score 30-plus or points every game to where he's going to win, and especially in a game like this where... And then if the offense is clicking for the Cardinals, like I think it's going to. I don't know if the Panthers with Bridgewater are going to be able to keep up um, with that. So I'm going to take the Cardinals. This is my last sack pick. Three and a half Cardinals over the Panthers. Then you have the Vikings and the Texans. Both 0-3 teams. I I'm going to take the Texans. Just because of the quarterback play. I think Deshaun Watson, he's been okay so far this year, but we need really a Deshaun Watson stamp game, so this could be it. And I'm going to take them. But Jefferson, the wide receiver for the Vikings last week, was a bright spot. If they can get him to come along and sort of have that one-two punch that they had uh, the past previous years with Diggs and Thielen, if Jefferson can be that for Thielen, that's going to open things up for the offense as well, even though Kirk Cousins isn't really called upon to really go win games. Really just a complimentary piece with the play action for Dalvin Cook in the run game in Minnesota. But... Just a storyline to keep looking at, but in this game, as I said, Texans over the Vikings. The next, we have the Giants going to the Rams. This is easy. The Rams... Giants are terrible, Rams are one of the better teams in the NFL, I understand they're coming off their first loft to Buffalo, but Buffalo is a superb team in the NFL as well, um, it was a fantastic watch, um, the spirit and the fight that the Rams showed to not give up after they were down 28-3 and to come out um, and battle back in that second half I think speaks a lot to them, McVay, Goff, how well all of those guys did, so... Um, Rams over the giants pretty easily. next we have the patriots going to the chiefs and any other year, I would say this is just should be a pick everything like that, but I do think that not a identity crisis by any means because for excuse me not an identity crisis by any means for the patriots. We saw week one, they leaned on the run. We saw week two, they asked Cam to throw the ball, and they excelled on both of those. This third week against the Raiders, they did a little bit of both, and I think that's where we're going to find the median, but I do think that the Chiefs defense showed on Monday night that they can, when they're called upon, make big plays, stop high-potent offenses, and I think that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the rest of those guys aren't going to have this be a letdown game, especially it being at home for the Chiefs as well. I think Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that offense keeps rolling and the defense shows up and they end up beating the Patriots. Next we have the Bills and the Raiders. I think the Bills are ripe for an upset here. Raiders coming off the loss last week. It's going to take a great game from Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, the secondary with um, Arnett, and the, excuse me, I'm blanking, Abrams, excuse me, the safety Abrams for the Raiders, but I think they're going to step up and get it done, so I have the Raiders pulling off the upset a little bit here against the Bills. Then, the next game, we have the Eagles going to the 49ers. The Eagles are shitty. The 49ers are not that bad. They are just injured. So I still think that the 49ers are going to be able to impose their will running the ball on the Eagles, and I think that the Eagles' defense is not going to be able to stop the run, obviously, not going to be able to get after whoever is the quarterback for the 49ers, and I think the 49ers' defense is going to be able to have to get going to be able to get after Carson Wentz make him force throws turn the ball over so I take the 49ers over the Eagles and then the Monday night game the Falcons coming off their second straight week of blowing a big lead sitting at 0-3 going to the Packers seeding at 3-0 this game is going to be closer especially if Julio Jones can get back Um, I think the Falcons are going to once again be fighting for Dan Quinn's job um At times, we've seen them respond to that over the course of the last two years, really, when Dan Quinn's seat has gotten hot. They've played well, but the Packers, I'm not buying in on them yet. It's sort of the same thing last year. They're winning sort of the same way. The defense is still okay to me. Again, I'm not buying into the hype just yet because we saw against good run teams last year, like the 49ers, how they can run into problems. They didn't look like the 13-3 team last year. I've heard some rumblings where they could look like if they were to go it again, 13-3, they could look like that this year, like they're legit. It seems like Lafleur and Rodgers are on the same page. Aaron Jones is the stud that everybody knew he was going to be. Ultimately, I do have the Packers, but it's going to be closer than what people expect. The Falcons are going to come out and try and, obviously, fight for Dan Quinn. Let him keep his job. I foresee Julio having a big game. If he does end up playing, Matt Ryan having a big game. But, ultimately, the Falcons lose to the Packers. Now, we can talk about the NBA Finals. I'll, get, I'll be the first to admit, I was wrong. I really thought the Clippers were the team to beat in the West, and I really thought the Bucks were the team to beat in the East. The Heat blew through Milwaukee. They blew through Boston. The Lakers, God, I apologize for doubting LeBron James and Anthony Davis. In this one, I do see the Heat winning in either 6 and 7. For the Heat, you're not going to find or see a bigger Fan of Eric Spolster than you are here. What he his story, what he's done, the progression he used through the heat system and the organization is incredible. He's shown he has the championship pedigree with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Bosch, how he can handle guys with egos and draw up plays and be an X is an O type coach. Here, he's still on top of his X and O's, and he doesn't have any egos really to deal with. Bam bio, Tyler Hero, and Jimmy Butler have proved to be a great young core that they can continue to build around in Miami if they choose to. Jay Crowder, Drogic with his scoring and playmaking has been a great piece for the Heat as well. I don't think Spoelstra is going to be outcoached by Vogel, but Vogel is nothing to scoff at when it comes to X's and O's and what Y's. I just think that the two best players in this series belong to the Lakers, and I think that's been the case with every game they've played, every series they've played, and I think that is what ultimately is going to propel them. It's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers... If they throw Davis right at BAM and just say, hey, go guard him, if they do what they did against um, Jokic last series and throw Howard at him and McGee a little bit and have Anthony Davis and have a three-guy, three guys really on him and try and wear him down, um, it'll be interesting to see how it's Been proven in the past that the perimeter defense for the Lakers if caught upon can be good, looking back against the Blazers in the first series, then the Rockets in the second, and then the third having to guard Murray. Um, Their perimeter defense has stepped up in a big way. Um, Danny Green, it's about time you show up. Caldwell Pope, you have been a bright spot. I'm very pleased with that. It'll be interesting to see if Danny Green doesn't show up, if J.R. Smith, he gets some run. Um, For his scoring and at times defensive ability as well. Ultimately though I think that Anthony Davis is going to have a monster series as well. I still think Bam and him going at it is going to be one of the best storylines to watch. Bam is still going to get his, but I think at the end of the day, Anthony Davis is going to outplay him. Jimmy Butler, I can imagine, is going to take on the assignment to try and stop LeBron James. I think he's going to frustrate LeBron at times, but I think LeBron is still going to get his. As I said, I do think the Lakers end up winning in six or seven games. And I think your finals MVP is going to be LeBron because I think there's going to be one or two games where... Anthony Davis is still going to get his, but it's the Lakers are going to look to LeBron James to say, hey, you've done this before, go win this game, go close it out, and I think he's going to, in year 35 of his life, year 17 in the league, going to 9 out of the last 10 NBA Finals, insane numbers, all that experience, all that drive and determination to get his fourth ring, to cement himself if you... Even want to say the best player in the world, to me he already is. Best player ever, he already is to me. To cement that, the legacy, all this stuff. When he's going to be called upon, I think at least one or two of these games to close it out, I think he's going to show up and succeed and do so. So LeBron James is my finals MVP. Storyline to watch is the secondary players for the Lakers. Danny Green, Caruso, Rondo, Kuzma, they're going to have to show up because it's been proven that the role players for the Heat, they show up. Other storyline to watch, Bam and AD, and then how Vogel is going to defend Bam with AD, Dwight, and Javel. again. Lakers in six or seven, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, LeBron four NBA titles, Anthony Davis is first, LeBron a Finals MVP, let's go Lakers baby, let's go. That is going to do it for episode 74 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. I want to again thank you all very much for tuning in, sending in your questions to the mail sack. Also, before I leave, I need to remind you all to download the Thrive Fantasy Sports app. Uh, You can do that through the App Store, the Google Play Store, going to their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. They're matching your deposits for a minimum of $20 up to $50 with promo code S-A-C-K, all capital letters. Do that. They have great daily fantasy sports props games. You can do touchdown only for the NFL. You can pick player props in the NFL to go up against each other. They're going to have props for the NBA Finals, they're gonna have props for the MLB playoffs. Um, practically giving away free money when you use code SAC. When you sign up and deposit at least $20, there's no reason for you not to get involved to prop up on Thrive Fantasy Sports. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all that other good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you just so happen to get your podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Carson Sack Podcast. That's how we help grow this. Hopefully bring in more sponsors, get more listeners, make me continue to do these things. It has been a pleasure to give you episode 74 Next week we will talk a little bit more about MLB Baseball, the playoffs have just started yesterday. Um, Hard to give you a breakdown right now while I'm recording this because games have already happened, games are going on, series are happening, so when we have a clearer picture next week with lesser teams, I will talk about that. Um, My apologies to any baseball fans. So, as we always end here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we, Bob Falls, we will be seeing.